The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. to the 101st episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz and I'm the host of this lovely show. Joining with me as always is my good buddy, my good pal, my good friend, Floyd Johnson Jr. Floyd, my man, how you doing? I am doing great. Um, this has been a bit of a the wrestling week, the busiest wrestling about a week or two weeks of my life. That's why you didn't get a show last week. And unfortunately, like I usually do, I will usually send out a message saying there won't be a show. But I was so busy with my... I had a funeral in the family and WrestleMania week. So I went to the funeral on Friday, then went and did the WrestleMania stuff. Then got home Monday in time to watch Raw and... We got, got home Monday, time to watch Raw, and Tuesday in time to watch NXT. It just, the week got away from me, so I couldn't actually send out the message. I should have, but, and I apologize. I won't let that happen again, but yeah, I was just probably the busiest I've been in my life. Yeah, well, shout out to you for actually being at WrestleMania. Um, hopefully, you didn't get too soaked, I want to say. Oh, uh, dude, um, it was one of those, it was one of the things, so. The first night, I heard it's going to rain. I was like, it's not going to rain. It's WrestleMania. We're going to make it. And it starts raining. So everybody gets in the line for the poncho. And the poncho line is like two hours long, right? So I'm like, I can't get a poncho. Like, literally, they would have made twice as much money if they just had a guy come out with ponchos and just, you know, take money and sell them really quick. But they sold the ponchos at the uh, shop line, the the WrestleMania line. Well, uh, so that night... I really didn't get a poncho, so I just kind of got wet, and I was okay with it. It was wrestling. Cool. Next night, I come in, I get through, go straight in, buy a poncho. It does not rain during the show. <laughs> That's how it is sometimes, isn't it? That's just how it is. Yeah, I was like, so I'm sitting there wearing the poncho. Uh, first night, my friend Josh was there. He gave me a ride home. Uh, it, it, you know, we dropped off JG and then gave me a ride home. The next night, I had to find an Uber. It literally took me two hours to leave the area. Whew. So I was in the area for two hours after the show. Uh, you know, it's one of those things. It is, it's luck of the draw. 
I always say I'm never gonna not have a uh, never not gonna take a car to WrestleMania, but I got to tell you, it's really weird. Like I got to stay at uh, the dojo, which is uh, which is uh, Godfather Jeremy Donovan's, and then the young boy Josh Smith's uh, a place, and the young boy actually let me have his room which was really cool. It was really, I mean, they were really awesome and gracious for letting me uh, spend uh, time there. It was just an amazing time, I, you know. So I decided not to rent a car because, you know, not that far away from the arena and everything. And I don't regret it because Jeremy was nice enough to take me down to the show Saturday and Sunday, so I never had to pay an Uber going there. I had a friend, Josh, that brought me back. So I only had one night where I actually had to pay for an Uber, and it was $60 to get home. Oh, my God. But if you think about it, one payment of $60 to rent the car was like $100 a day. So it was just like, I only got screwed kind of, you know, I only got, you know, done once, so it worked. Next year, it's Dallas, which is, I call it home because I live in Oklahoma City, and Dallas is pretty much the closest major events are ever going to happen so dallas i i it's kind of my adopted home area anytime a big event comes to dallas i say you're coming to my house so next year it'll be in dallas i'll drive down i'll be in my car i'll pay the exorbitant amount of amount for parking and then but i will be able to get out of the arena within 30 minutes next year's in dallas uh wrestlemania I was at the last Dallas. It wasn't my favorite show, even though I did have some great moments. But it's always good when you can cut the travel down. It's like a two and a half hour well, also, drive both ways. Well, also, you're going to have an actual dome above your head, so you don't have to worry about rain delays. Absolutely. I know it would limit where WrestleManias are, but it just seems like they all should be at places with roofs. I know it would yeah. limit. I, mean, I, I know it would limit. I mean, Ford Field has a roof, right? Or no? Yep, Ford Field has a roof. You see, Ford Field has a roof. I'm like, Minnesota, there's a roof there. Uh, New Orleans. or the, SoFi. The, yeah, uh, New Orleans. Uh, what? Yeah, SoFi. Uh, Atlanta. It's just like you can go a while without actually being outside. And it's like I'm not really anti-outside, but, yeah, you know, and it's only rained during WrestleMania one time in history. So it's probably not something you should plan for going forward, but it was kind of annoying. Yeah. Well, it is Florida. So if you plan to have mania in, in, in Florida and you don't prepare for rain, uh, you're, you're lying to yourself because you don't know what's going on, but we got a lot to talk about on this episode of all things elite. Obviously this is the first AEW that ran unopposed as with, uh, with no NXT, uh, following its side in the same time slot. So we got a lot to talk about this episode, of course, with all things elite, even some stuff that happened on impact wrestling. But before we get into the show, I want to make sure you are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platform, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish would mean the world to us. You can leave a rating and a review if you're so inclined. You can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. If you want to support us the easiest way, as well as, of course, to follow us on social media, we are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex is the guys that make this show possible. I am at SZoomer4, and Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Now, of course, one of the biggest news uh, for AEW this week was the fact that, of course, like we said, 
AW ran unopposed this week, so we didn't really know what the numbers were going to be like for this episode of Dynamite. Not to mention, too, this was a John Moxley less paper uh, uh, episode of Dynamite. So the numbers was going to be really interesting. AEW did 1.2 million yes. this week on Dynamite. You got to think about it. There was no Mox, no Cody, you know, exactly. low, which are two of the big names, and no Omega. Well, Omega was in a promo, but that like that's barely it. No, that's what I'm saying. He didn't wrestle. He wasn't featured in a match. Their three of their biggest names weren't featured in a match, and they did 1.2 million people. Like aggressive, aggressive projections were 900 thousand. But uh, you know, of course, Mike Tyson was on the show. And people are like, you're not giving Mike Tyson enough credit. I'm like, well, Mike Tyson has been announced on the show before, and it didn't do that number. I I am on the idea that the biggest thing is something else we should talk about that I forgot to put on the notes is Chris Jericho was on the WWE Network. That's very true. Yeah, uh, he did the interview with Stone Cold and the Smoking Skull Sessions, and it was basically a two-hour commercial for AEW and how much he loved working and how they were a different product and they're not trying to be competition. I imagine there's a few people that have the WWE Network. I wouldn't say a lot, but a few people that had the WWE Network that had never heard of AEW. So I think that definitely raised AEW's Q rating. And with no NXT on, they're like, people are used to like having it on there for the last... I guess it would be 18 months, something like that, 20 months. They're used to watching wrestling on Wednesday, so they're like, well, this wrestling's not on. I might as well watch this wrestling. And, you know, in the ratings and in the numbers, I've been listening to every show about it because I'm kind of obsessed. You can see it was there was more over 50 people than usual. Uh, eight, the, the, the demo, the 18, the... Uh, 49, 49 did 0.44, which is, I think, their third, second or third highest rating. And it was like the third highest rating on cable, period, not just for that night. So it was, it was, that was a, a monster number. Uh, women, the, the female age brackets all went up. It, it was a home run. It was everything AEW could have expected, and it was a good show. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I remember the last time AEW hit a big number, the show wasn't, it was like, eh. And I was like, okay, this is not really the episode I want my friends and family to see if they're turning it on. Now, this, I'm I'm not even going to say this was the best episode ever, but if you wanted an episode that represented what AEW is, this was a great episode for that. Absolutely. I want to say, too, because I saw this recently uh, when I was looking at the ratings, uh, like mainly because Brian Alvarez tweets them every single week. I looked at the uh, the NXT ratings, which I believe, like I said last I checked, did like a little over 800,000. My favorite tweet uh, reply to Brian Alvarez's tweet was this one guy who's clearly an NXT mark. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but he tweets like, killing it and uh shows a gif of nxt like an nxt tag team match that has nxt's faces on it like the nxt logo face on it and they're doing like big moves to uh nxt i mean to aew dark and i'm like come on you're really gonna try to change the narrative like that like nxt is going up against aew dark 
you're really going to try to change the narrative on that. Like Jericho literally said, um, we wanted to drive them away kicking and screaming, and we did. And uh-huh. look, the ratings war isn't really that big of a deal. I don't try to focus on the Wednesday Night Wars, but the fact that this guy was like trying to change the narrative of like NXT kicked AEW Dark's ass, I'm like, one of you is on a- on the USA Network, the other one is on YouTube. It is not the same thing. This is my whole thing, and I'm hoping this. I hope this can die now. I mean, yeah, me in, too. I'm into, done with this, honestly. Yeah, until WWE puts another show on Wednesday, that in a cable spot lined up against AEW. There's no, there's no point to compare them now. There isn't. I mean, AEW is on a night that WWE doesn't do programming. There's no reason to compare them. You know, I, I, I'm done. I mean, I might compare storytelling styles to bring drive home a point because WWE is the most known wrestling product out there. I have no problem saying that because you know I am realistic. But there is no Wednesday Night War. It's over. War is dead. AEW is going to do their thing. WWE is going to do their thing. And that's where I want to leave it. Exactly. We can just cut it there. And we can get into our little next segment. We are not really going to do a BTE recap this week. Because there wasn't really a ton that we can cover. However... We do have a little impact uh, coverage that we want to share with y'all. Floyd, can you let us know uh, what AEW has been doing on impact recently? Uh, Okay, so this big week, this week they decided to do a a big announced uh, press conference. So there was a press conference. On one side of the press conference was Kenny Omega and Don Callis and then Tony Khan and Jerry Lynn. Uh, Jerry Lynn's kind of Tony Khan's right-hand man, apparently, on these impact signings. On the other side, which is, of course, Rich Swan uh, and Scott Damore uh, were on the other side. And they had their interview time. And, of course, I believe the moderator at first was Josh Matthews. He was quickly pushed aside for uh he was quickly pushed aside for Don Callis, who said, let daddy take over. And, you know, him and Kenny Omega, and then Kenny Omega was playing the cocky champion. He was Conor McGregor. He was all the other ones. And it was treated kind of like an MMA press conference because most of the people in the audience were from MMA magazines and MMA coverage. It just came off as a big deal. And the idea from Don and Kenny's side is Rich Swan is a great professional wrestler. Rich Swan is one of the best professional wrestlers in the world. He is the best Impact has to offer, but he is not a wrestling god. Um, so that's it. It was just like, and you know, Rich Swan's defending the flag of Impact. He's like, he's going to beat Kenny Omega. You know, he's going to have to be his best to get it done, but he can beat Kenny Omega. But if this was the Kenny Omega show, Kenny Omega came off like a, a real big star and a real huge dick which is what they were trying to get to. But he, like, you know, of course, wrestling is performance art, and his was the performance that stole the show. And Don Callis is just this... I I, am at this point, and I don't know if he's hot. And again, I'm only using this other name because it's a name that people would have to reference. It's a comparison they can get. I think Don Callis is every bit as good, if not 
I, I would never say better than Paul Heyman. He does everything for Kenny Omega, who's already a star, who's already this mega person that Paul Heyman does did for uh, Brock and now is doing for Roman. He just gives, they give gravitas to the character. This guy who could talk for themselves, who could say for themselves. They they have a better talker handle it because they are they are too busy to think of things to say all the time. It's just it's it's a level of a level of top it's top guy shit. You know? <laughs> you know, you know, regular have regular people don't get people like these. You have to be at an elite level to get these type of interviews. So I mean, get these type of people to work with you. Yeah, and obviously Impact is making this match, like you said, it's a really big deal with the fact that they had the press conference for this match, but also they fucking got Mauro Ranallo for the main event. Yes, I left that for you because I know how excited you would be because of that. Absolutely. Well, first off, man, I just got this week the fucking brand new commentator for Monday Night Raw, which I'm going to give him a pass because it's his first week, but... The first impression I got was that the man did not do his homework. He came from NHL Network. He came from uh, MLB Network. And the man just didn't seem like he did his homework. And look, I'm not going to give him too much shit. I give commentators in pro wrestling a hard time because I want to do that. And I'm very critical of it because I want it to be the best it possibly can be. But seeing the fact that Mauro is back calling pro wrestling again. Dude, I've missed this motherfucker so much in wrestling. Like WWE, NXT, I don't care what he's calling. The fact that they brought they got him to call Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan, dude, shows to me that they really want to make this match seem big. Because Mar Ronaldo on a random episode of SmackDown could make a normal, like random thrown together match on SmackDown seem like an NXT takeover match. That's just how good of a commentator Mauro Ronaldo is. It's the reason why they picked him up for Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor. It's just, it's that simple. The man knows how to do his shit. The man knows how to make his voice so powerful for calling a match. So I'm all for Impact picking him up, man. As much as I, as much as I wish I could see him on a weekly television show again for wrestling, I will be fine with this one match appearance on Impact. Um, but yeah, no, shout out Mauro, man. I've, I've missed that man in wrestling. Uh, what WCW used to do for big matches, they would bring in Michael Buffer. And that's how yes. you knew it was, it was the same thing. And you same knew thing. how it was a big match. Uh, impact. Uh, you know, Morrow doesn't really like the pressure of having to be in wrestling every week. So you bring him in for the big shows. And he's he's one of the best. He's my favorite in the world. All respect to Excalibur and Tony and all that stuff. No one made a big match bigger than Mauro Ronaldo. If you and I'm just gonna say this, and people can disagree. Impact, uh, NXT stopped feeling special on a week to week basis when Mauro stopped being the commentator on a week to week basis. I can agree with that. And Vic Joseph does a good job too, and I love the fact that Wade Barrett's there. But like, yeah, I, I can 100% agree to that. Though. It felt special. Mauro made those epic. NXT matches that were 40 minutes long. You're like, good Lord. He made it not feel like 40 minutes. When Morrow's on a call. Why do you think there's compilations of him on YouTube just doing his calls? It's just his face. Yeah, he made it feel like not 40 minutes. And it was just like when Vic is just calling the match down the middle, which he is very good at, it feels like 40-something minutes. 
It's just, you know, when people like, what is the NXT missing? They're not missing stars. They're not missing faces. They're missing Morrow. He made that show feel bigger. Yeah, I can 100% see that totally. But shout out to Impact for picking him up because I, I love seeing Morrow I mean, back. Excellent move on Impact. Uh, I mean, I already thought Kenny Omega and Rich Swan was going to be four and a half to four. It's like four and a half, four and a half stars is my, my low bar for Kenny Omega and Rich Swan. And I know that's a lot of pressure because I'm not a big throw the stars out there. I'm an emotion person. So you got to make me feel to get my five. So, but yeah, with this match, with the build, I'm like four and a half is like low. It's the low grade for me. I, I, I fully expect it. And with Morrow, generally, I feel like you can add like a, you could add a quarter to a half star on his call because he's going to make every moment seem so much bigger. And when he calls that one wing angel or if he calls Rich Swan's, Many he has a lot of few different finishers that he uses, and and you know he hits you with that first Mamma Mia and your soul kind of shakes because come on nobody does Mamma Mia like Morrow, uh yeah, and the fact that it's been away so long it's like when Edge went away for like eight years and came back and hit that first spear that first Mamma Mia is gonna be everything. Absolutely, and last thing I'll say on the topic too: JBL, grow a pair and apologize to Mara Ronaldo for being a bullying piece of shit. You blocked me on Twitter, so I know you won't see this, but if you really want to be calling people snowflakes in your Hall of Fame speech, uh, grow a pair and actually apologize to Mara Ronaldo for being a piece of shit to him on SmackDown. So just do that for me, since you want to call people snowflakes, even though you have the longest list of people blocked on Twitter. Grow a pair, apologize. Yeah, that'll be all I say on that. Yeah, he'll never do it because that means he would have to admit that he's wrong somehow. Yes. But let's really quickly move in. We are going to cover Dynamite in just a moment, but we have an announcement on a brand new giveaway. I'm going to throw this to Floyd. Floyd, what do the lovely fans of All Things Elite have a chance to win? So our friend Jason that listens to the show every week, he is at, I believe, J-Row Jason. I want to make sure I get this right since – he uh he blessed us uh at J Jason R on Twitter. Uh he listens to us every week. He said, Hey, I wanna do something nice. This was it was that simple. It, it there was nothing benefiting him or anything. He just said he wanted to do something nice for somebody. So he donated one of the uh, uh a purchase of one of Cody's new jackets coming out. So it's going to be a Cody Rhodes and nerds combined to put out a jacket. It's like got the nightmare family symbol on the front. It's got an eagle and a dog on the back. It's a very epic jacket. I mean, seriously, it's like it's like if America threw up on a jacket. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so it it, it is not understated at all. It's like if you wear this jacket, you are with Cody Rhodes. Honestly, some people might even think you're a Trump supporter because that's how American this jacket is. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even kidding, but it's an awesome oh, I, jacket. I believe it. I believe it. Awesome jacket. Uh, the pre-sales start tomorrow, and they're only going to be available for two weeks. So this is going to be a very quick turnaround on this uh, turnaround on this contest. Uh, we're recording Sunday, April 18th. I'm going to put up the show the morning of April 19th, 2021. I like a like, 
a retweet tweet and a comment saying basically I want the jacket, you can say whatever you want. You could combat boogie boogie boogie. But honestly, the comment is the entry. I am gonna enter based on the comment being there. Even though I want the like retweet and stuff and I'm gonna kinda check, but the comment is how I'm gonna keep track of your names. So make sure you comment on the post. It'll have a big ass picture of the jacket and then it'll have the link to our show notes and stuff like that. So I want you to go ahead and like retweet it. We're pulling it next week. When we record next week, it's uh I will keep it open till Friday morning at uh seven AM Eastern. And then we'll draw from there and then we'll announce it because we have to announce it, get your size and order the shirt all at the same time. So it's going to be a very quick turnaround. Uh, I am very excited. Thank you again, Jason. I mean, he's been at all the AEW stuff with me before the pandemic. Uh, and But he just like he just heart feeling big. He feeling that moment and he gave it away. And I was like, dude, that is awesome of you. And if we get a lot of entries, I always say this, but we never get a lot of entries. But if we get 100 likes, retweets, comments, I will also give away a jacket. There you go. All right. So be sure to check out All Things Elite on Twitter to be paying attention for when that tweet drops so you can enter and win that badass jacket. Uh, I'm actually currently waiting on the CM Punk jacket to ship because I, of course, had to get that. The jackets that Pro Wrestling Tees put out, man, for these are just absolutely fucking insane, dude. They're all so dope. Yeah, uh, yeah, this jacket, I'm, I was just looking at it, and I was just like, I think this is the most patriotic jacket I've ever seen. It might as well say America fuck yeah on it. I mean, literally, the arms arms are red, a red, white, and blue. The back is an eagle with Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare. And, you know, you know, wolf like this, the Pharaoh logo, just almost for no reason. And then on the front, (laughs) it's American Nightmare on it. And it has his uh, logo in, you know, red, white and blue. I mean, it is the most American jacket ever. (laughs) Yeah. But with that announcement out of the way, we can get to the episode of AEW Dynamite we will be covering this week. We had two quick little promos before we got to the opening match, mainly the Young Bucks talking about how John Moxley pushed them over the edge and thanking him for doing that because they're no longer just a club of friends throwing up a hand gesture. We're a family, and now it's time we show the world a newer, better version of themselves, a version that changes their Twitter bio pretty much every single day to just stroke their egos. So... Oh, uh, that that's the best gimmick ever. It's so fucking Because uh, who puts new bio? And no one. The, it, it, is, uh, it is the most obnoxious thing. Just think if your friend changed their bio every day and one of their tweets every day is that they updated their bio. That yeah, would just, yeah. Like, <laughs> I might block you. <laughs> yeah, Bucks, you might be getting a block, honestly, because you're doing your job very well. We also had a quick little interview with Iron Mike Tyson, which then got interrupted by MJF. Basically, 
asking Iron Mike Tyson to be on the right side of history because the last thing he'd want is for him to look back on this night and have regrets. Uh, he tried to hand Mike Tyson a blank check. He tore it to pieces, shoved it in his mouth, and spit it at him because uh, Iron Mike Tyson is a crazy motherfucker. How so about MGF got very mad about that. How about the comment that my dad told me you were a big deal? Oh, my God, that was so good. <laughs> at the very beginning, he said... My dad told me you were a big deal. Like, wow. It was just like, it was so pretty fucking funny. That's pretty fucking funny. That's exactly what it was. Yes. And then the match, the opening match for this episode of Dynamite was the AEW World Tag Team Championship match between the Young Bucks and Death Triangle, Pac and Ray Phoenix. My God, they tore the fucking house down with this opening match. These guys went at it i want to say for like well over 20 minutes it felt like and they just started flying around the ring the young bucks were doing crazy big moves um and of course uh, ray phoenix uh uh what ended up happening to finish off the match was ray phoenix uh got his mask ripped off by nick jackson which if that's not an easy way to hate somebody that is right there because oh my god the moment he ripped that off i got so fucking mad and then immediately he was defenseless against those stereo uh, super kicks because he couldn't see him got the pinfall on ray phoenix and man that's just despicable because that's that's literally exactly what they did at uh at all out back in 2019 when they just ripped off i believe it was it was either phoenix or penta's mask in the escalera de la muertes match which they kind of set themselves up to be the heels for that one too when they ripped off the mask because you just don't fucking do that you don't uh, do that in, in mexico it's literally a dq yeah it, it's, it's, it's literally uh, a disqualification in mexico because it's so frowned upon uh, yeah so when I saw them do that, like, instantaneously, I was like, bro, I was reading your book, like, two days ago. I'm going to set that shit on fire. Dude, I would love it, and I don't know if they would ever do it or if they, it would be ever something they're interested in. Uh, if, you know, Ray or Pentagon's out there and they they rip the mask and then Ray or Pentagon rolls them up anyway and just, you know, just basically says, fuck it, and rolls them up and gets the pin because they were expecting him to stop and then they didn't. I, I just think that would, you know, somewhere down the line, one sure. time, do it and just be like, whatever. You know, they the titles mean more to them than the mask in this one case, you know. In this particular case, I mean, I, I honestly can say, I have been watching, you know, professional wrestling, you know, my whole life. And I am not comparing them to any other company. I am comparing them to Blanket across the world. TNA, when they were at their height, Attitude Era, the best wrestling era of WWE, when you had like the SmackDown 6 or whatever, uh, WCW, uh, you know, Jim Crockett Promotions. I could honestly say... Maybe one or two in my whole life, five star matches on TV, just on the regular TV program, right? And it just seems like, except for the ending, I couldn't give this a five because of the ending. So I was like at four and a half. These are like the best tag team matches ever on TV, on your weekly programming. You, as far as quality and high level of wrestling and long matches, 
I feel like AEW is unmatched in history as far as what they give you on their weekly TV as far as quality of wrestling matches. Especially tag team too, because I feel like the respect of tag team wrestlings and and like making your teams feel special and like having legit identities for them and just respecting how you handle tag team wrestling is so is so much needed just because like you'll look at other companies and like they'll they'll build a tag team just so they can get to that oh shocking moment they broke up. No 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 no. We want to make these teams feel special. We want to make these teams identifiable. We want to make sure our division has guys that can go for a very long time. And if we do end up breaking up a team, we're not just going to have plans for one guy to succeed. Yeah. I mean, even with, I wouldn't say Ray and Pena broke up, but, you know, Pena went into a feud and started establishing himself as a singles guy. And the death triangle is still a thing. So it's just, it's different. I Like I said, but as far as match quality, and I'm talking about the hoity-toity, as I like to call it, Dave Meltzer wrestling crowd that cares about the technical expertise of wrestling. This is probably some of the best week-to-week wrestling you've ever gotten. You have to think, Kenny Omega and Mox, which I believe got five stars from Meltzer. I might be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was either five stars or close to there, was on their weekly television program. So it's like, has Raw, in my mind, except for like the gauntlet matches or something with, you know, that kind of stuff, one-on-one titles for the world title, I think you don't, you didn't get these quality of matches on a week-to-week television basis. I know you've been watching less longer, you know, less long time than me. In your time, have do you remember them putting on quality matches? Any other company putting on quality matches week to week like this? I mean, well, I'll I'll, I'll put this in a, in my in my own words with this uh, description, which is the fact that like I this is the first time in a very long time where like a show has gained my viewership that I will absolutely watch every single week, no matter what the card is. Like if it's like there's certain times where like I'll watch other shows and if I see a card that's kind of like like I I think is meh, uh, I might miss that week because a lot of times with other wrestling shows like it's not much of a because there's so much wrestling out there it's like it's not much of a commitment but with uh, with dynamite I think especially it's just become so much more of a commitment because I have so much trust in every single week of dynamite that I will be getting a good show. And there's a very strong chance that every, that, that week I might be getting an amazing show. Yeah. And you know, and they're building up to something at the beginning of May. And it's just like, yeah, it's a party night, you know? Yeah. uh, That night is a party night, but you have to think about it. You know, it's all, it's worth skipping to a point, you know, it's also, and also to your point too, I checked them. I checked the results. Uh, yes, the Death Triangle Young Bucks match did get five stars from Meltzer. He said, "Quote: This is one of the best matches in the history of the company, and maybe the best match ever on Dynamite. Certainly top two or three. He has five stars for it." That's what I'm saying. It's just I don't remember weekly television matches getting five stars before AEW came around. And I'm not trying to be selective memory. I know our boy, the young boy Josh listen to every week if i'm wrong 
please like hit me up in the chat so I can correct myself next week. I would definitely do that. It's just, and it just might be, you know, because I remember really loving uh, TNA. During their, their hot period with Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle, and AJ Styles, I remember really loving that show. You know, and so I I don't remember them just putting banger after banger of matches on every week. It's it's just so much more of a rare commodity for a weekly television show to be having five star rated matches. I think just yeah. on their on their episode, like I like off the top of my head, I can't think of a sh- like, and it's not even like just like to dig at them though. It's like I genuinely don't remember the last time an episode of Raw or an episode of SmackDown had a five-star match. I can possibly remember NXT having one. It's just going to be, I'd have to look it up more. But like I said, like this, this was huge for dynamite um, in terms of like people who focus on uh, star ratings and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's what I was talking about. These are for the, this conversation is for the max quality geeks. I am actually not one of those people. I am actually very much an emotion. I like the storylines. I like the gang warfare of wrestling more than I like the amazing matches, even though I do, I can appreciate an amazing match. But when I see it and then they get rated and you're like, yeah, I don't remember this happening anywhere else. You know, I mean, Seth had his hot period. And then, like I said, I go to WWE, but I'm talking about going back 30 some odd years, you know? Yeah. I don't remember this happening week to week. But it's not it doesn't happen too often. All right. Well, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and move on cuz I could probably talk about this for a while. Young yeah, Bucks absolutely. in the, Young Bucks in that first slot is pretty much a home run. It's a slam dunk. It's like when you see the Young Bucks on the card and they're not in the first match, you're almost like, "Why?" Huh. Cuz they yeah, always right. say you hit the home run in the first match. And they make sure they do it nearly every time. And after this, we had a quick little interview with Hangman Adam Page, the number one ranked Hangman Adam Page. Dark Order was by his side. You got Marvez trying to ask about Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, of course. He immediately dodged that question, being like, hey, John Silver, giving an update on his injury. And then he was like, all right, I got to go. And then after that, there is an interview with the Inner Circle, with Iron Mike Tyson, Jericho, Basically saying that after they got beat down by the Pinnacle, they wanted to change their ways, go and try to make amends to people that they may have wronged. The first person he called was Mike Tyson, saying uh, like a lot has happened between us. Even mentioned how he got punched in the mouth when he, um, on Monday night, and he just said, um, "I want to apologize for everything." Tyson said, "Accepted." Said, uh, "You need anything? Let me know." Jericho asked for him to come there to have his back and have uh, the inner circles back. But he also said, I expect you as this enforcer not to play special treatment and call this down the middle. And Chris was told by Tyson, he's firm, but fair. He respects you. I'm happy to call you friends, but I'm not taking any sides. There's a possible possibility. I mean, there, if he messes up, he's going to get knocked out again. You don't want that to happen, but he's wishing him the best of luck. So, uh, nice little uh, promo there. And I'm just going to say really quick, it is nice to see continuity and attention to detail. Because a Absolutely. lot of times you will have a person go face, and it will be like every bad thing they ever did was forgotten. Jericho said, no, you didn't forget our bad things. We had to reach out to people. We had to make amends. You know, probably some of them probably still think we're dicks. But, you know, 
in the last time him and Jericho in the ring, they looked like they were going to fight. So you have to let your audience know why they're why they are not fighting now. Yeah. And it makes it makes a whole lot of sense. I also appreciate the shout to when Tyson was on Raw and punched Jericho in the mouth. I also appreciate that. But after this was Red Velvet versus Jade Cargill in a singles match to kind of like shut down and uh, finish off their little feud. Uh, this match didn't really go too long. Uh, Red Velvet got a little bit of offense uh, after getting slammed into the barricade by Jade Cargill. She got a little bit of offense, but then all of a sudden. Uh, she tried to go for a moonsault off the top rope. Jay got out of the way. Uh, Cargill uh, got her jaded uh, got her jaded finisher up and got the win over Red Velvet, continuing to just look like a million bucks. I'm hoping now that this kind of feud with Red Velvet is, I would think, next because I think there's not really much else you need to do with this. I'm hoping that we get to see Jade in feuds with other people and mainly just so she can run her mouth. Like, I think the more time she has a microphone in her hands, the more that she's going to get people to notice. Jade is a star. This match was everything it needed to be. I think I need she needed to win definitively. Uh, people getting patient and everybody's like, put the title on Jade now. I am begging nah. a, a, a like on this show where I ask for your patience with the women's division. I'm asking for your patience with Jay. If if they take the right time and put the right care in her, she can elevate the women's division to that even that next level. I mean, Brit Brit and Thunder are holding it down and they are drawing. But I think Jay could be like uh like a a star, like front of the marquee, right there with Hangman and Darby star supernova in this company i i just i think she can i think she can be one of those people that can put this in the movies she's just looks exceptional she looks like a star and she moves like a star she talks like a star you just have to let her develop the small things those minor details in her game which comes with just experience so Yes, it's nice to want her to be the champion right now, but she's green as hell. <laughs> let her let her get her seasoning down, because when it, when it's time, oh my God, it's gonna she's gonna blow up. I mean, she, she has everything going for her. But what happens is they either there's this weird middle ground. You either Braun Strowman it and you take too long. <laughs> yeah. Or you Goldberg it and you push it too fast. Now Goldberg was a supernova, don't get me wrong, but what once they got him to the title, they didn't know what to do. You know? So with her, you just wanted to be patient and just let her do her thing and let her earn her spot. Yeah, I'm 100% with you there. Um we then had a quick little promo with Dr. Britt Baker uh continuing to take her shots at the ranking systems being like red velvet just lost she's ranked uh i'm ranked number three at seven and one and red velvet was at number two so i should be now going higher than red velvet just taking a little jab at that there wasn't really too much else to this promo i mean that's um, straight it's, it's i mean it was straight college football thing it's like hey the team in front of me lost i should move up right it is exactly that <laughs> it is exactly that um we then had the uh in-ring debut 
of Anthony Agogo, Olympic gold medalist, uh, as he faced off against uh, debuting Cole Carter. And um, the fact that his finish is just a strong shot to the gut, strong right hand, and then just shuts him down, and then the referee just calls the match right there for stoppage. Honestly, really intrigued by that. Really intrigued. Oh, my God. I have to comment on the discourse online. This dude's a six, what, six two, six three, two hundred and thirty pound fighter. He 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 would be a legit heavyweight in boxing, and he punched a guy unprotected in the gut. That's not a boxer. You're no, you're going down for longer than three seconds. And the Very fact that so. and the fact that the referee's like, okay, let's stop this. Because you just literally crushed this man's insides. His ribs are fucked. Yeah, that's that. That's what would happen. I mean, I know you, you've been trained with wrestling that people can take 45 punches in a match and still keep going. But they weren't fighting Olympic boxers. They weren't fighting. Literally, if his eye hadn't hurt, I mean, the promotion machine was going to be behind him. He was going to be a professional boxer. So, yeah. So when that guy punches you in the gut, it hurts a lot. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, it really does. It, it, it does. There's there's boxer punches and then there's regular people punches. And like a person that's not a knockout boxer uh, would knock you out because they're on a different level of punching power. So I just I just want everyone to know that's. That's it's about as legit as you can get. I mean, he has the pedigree that goes behind that punch. It'd be different, you know, like when Big Show started doing the knockout punch. You're like, you're like, okay, he has a big hand. Whatever. I mean, honestly, yeah, he could probably knock you out, but why wasn't he knocking people out for years? Anthony Gogo's a boxer. That's his. That's his discipline. What kind of discipline is he going to use? When he first gets in a wrestling ring, he's going to use his boxing skills. It just makes sense. And then some wrestler one day is going to get good enough to either take his punches or get out of the way or whatever. And then they'll have a match. But this guy that you probably won't remember his name tomorrow was not good enough to do that. Yes. Um, which, by the way, um, since uh, we're on the topic of the new uh, of the factory led by QT Marshall, um, did you want to comment on anything with uh, AEW's first house show? Oh, uh, yeah, the house always wins. I I've seen shots from it, uh, different screenshots. Uh, uh, they brought in uh, a wrestler from Japan from DDT. I cannot pronounce his name. Because I generally put my American pronunciation on it. But when Kenny said his name on Elevation, it sounded nothing like I would say it. (laughs) So I'm not going to butcher it because I respect him. But they brought in the guy from DDT. And that's what his name is going to be until next week when I get his pronunciation down. And apparently he looked really good. Uh, Cody... Uh, did a Cody cutter through a table on Aaron Solo to get the first win in the factory versus the Nightmare Factory uh, thing, the Civil War. Uh, that uh, to, QT, yeah, but yeah, that show seemed to be pretty good. I, like I said, I, I mean, 
I kind of want to honor the fact that it was just supposed to be there. You know, it's not going to be yes. available on TV. I kind of want to honor that. So I tip my hat to I wish I could have been there, but, you know, life happens. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to QT this week with the bowling shirt, rocking his Charlie Harper. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how many of y'all watched Two and a Half Men, but it was one of my favorite shows. And he was straight out of the toilet, Charlie Harper's closet with his gear. Swag. That's that's awesome. <laughs> we then had the singles match between Dax Harwood uh, of FTR versus the demo god Chris Jericho with special ringside enforcer Iron Mike Tyson. So this basically broke down and just had the pinnacle because um, they were banned at ringside at one point. Uh, and the match would just go down after Jericho hit the code breaker and MJF and the pinnacle then just stormed down. By the time uh, they got down, uh, Iron Mike Tyson uh, tried to break it up and then uh, Inner Circle came out and broke and started going crazy on the outside. Tyson uh, saw that Cash Wheeler took Jericho's bat, tried to give it to uh, uh, Dax. Tyson wasn't having that and he just went and smacked him right across the face. And it was a good shot, too, and he sold it like a motherfucker, too. Eventually, Jericho hit the Judas Effect on Harwood, got the win. First win in terms of Inner Circle versus Pinnacle. Uh, it's just going to build even more so when they end up doing the Blood and Guts match. This is a really strong singles match, honestly. And I, it's so um, it's a bit of a throw uh, uh, change of pace with seeing uh, Jericho as a babyface. Um, although seeing the whole inner circle united yet yet again is great, especially after it was seeming like uh, Sammy Guevara was going to break off from the inner circle to do his own thing. But yeah, man, Mike Tyson's appearance was really great. I love the feud between the pinnacle and the inner circle. I think it's going to just keep building until that blood and guts match. Uh, but this was a strong match. A very, a very strong match. Uh, first, I want to say this tells you what they think of Darby Allen. Because exactly. this six six months ago, Chris Jericho against any member of the inner circle with Mike uh yeah, uh any minute uh member of the pinnacle with Mike Tyson as the enforcer is the main event of the show. Period. They it, it didn't go main event and went middle of the show with Darby Allen and Matt Hardy going on last, they truly feel like they could hold the audience. Darby Allen's a draw. So, you know, they've made someone, right? So, but this match, you know, my boy, Dex the X, getting in there with Chris Jericho. It's kind of cool that he's gotten singles competition because people can see how good Dex and Cash are individually. I want Cash to get a couple of them. Because I do really want people to see how good they are individually. Because I know it's kind of a running joke. But you want to talk about the thing that irks my soul. Is when people call them FTR bald and FTR hair. I know they are a team. I know they talk about being a tag team. They are a team. But they have names. They have individual names. You know, Demolition was Demolition, and they painted their faces the same. But one was Axe and one was Smash. You know what I mean? You know, you know the Brain Busters, who they, a lot of people say they remind of. One was Tully Blanchard, one was Arn Anderson. You know, everybody gets their respect, but FTR doesn't even get the respect of people knowing their names and that irks me and like i said i know it's a bigger deal to me than it is to any other person that on the earth but i hate it 
Well, yeah, I mean, like, you're the official spokesperson for FTR at this point, so I can understand why you'd be irked. Yeah, it's just like, it's it's not hard. I mean, they're very close to their, it, it's like, they're very close to their uh, WWE names, you know. Instead of Dash, it's Cash, you know, instead of, uh, well, Scott Dawson was the, it, it was free, to Dax, you know, Hardwood, that was a bit of a change. But still, Dax Hardwood is such a porn star name that I don't <laughs> understand how you would forget it. I'm like, seriously, I, 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 I just want to go back to when I was young and my porn collection. I'm pretty sure there was an actor named Dax Hartwood. I know it. It had to be. Yes. It's just too much of a porn name. Hardwood? Come on. <laughs> no, but... If it's, uh, not, if it's not, then it needs to be. Yeah, but he did, uh, he did, they did an excellent job working in this match. Uh, I just I just love the snap that he has on everything he has. I mean, he does the most basic moves, but he puts that little snap into it. That's great. And then Jericho's he's, he's fucking Jericho. It's like, I mean, you've run out of adjectives for Jericho. It's just he's Jericho. That's all you can say. Jericho has become a new adjective. You could say some people are Jericho-esque and some people aren't. It is an adjective for just greatness. So it was a great match. Love the Tyson punch. Uh, you know, he did sell it like a champ. Mike Tyson throws a good working punch because I thought it was a forearm, but you no, know, his hand hit his face. So I was like, huh, good working punch because you know if Mike Tyson actually hit him with all his force in his face, yeah, teeth would have been gone. Just yeah. that simple. And so, uh, great working punch from Mike Tyson. This whole segment was an A, and I loved it. Yeah, we then had a short little package of Thunder Rosa talking how she wanted to take both the AEW Women's Championship and reclaim her NWA Women's Championship. So she sent shots to Serena Deeb and to Hikaru Shida, basically, saying she wants to take over the world, which I thought was a nice little small little package. And I really like that because it's kind of like a collision course to her and Britt again. Because, you know, Britt's claiming, you know, I, you know, I never lost the match with Thunder Rosa. You know, only thing she lost is the match in the Eliminator. So she's going up the bracket one way. Thunder Rosa's like, I got this big win against Britt Baker, but I'm going to go ahead. And she's in the top five, but she's going to go ahead and go after Serena Deeb in the NWA title, and then she's going to use that title to get a title shot at the AEW title. So they're both going different ways to the same path, which obviously is going to collide at some point. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that coming to a head at one point. And then we had the return in-ring de- the return back into the ring of Chris Statlander facing off against Amber Nova and Chris was flanked by best friends and Orange Cassidy, which honestly, if we're if I'm being honest, I, I like seeing her with them because they're the little interaction that uh, OC and Chris had on AEW on uh, uh sorry not AEW but uh being the elite were always fun to me. Um, I've missed Chris Statlander honestly. I was really happy to see her back. I felt like she was finally picking up a head of steam, but by the time she got injured and it just was just wrong timing of like just the worst timing really for her. Um, so I'm glad that she's back. This was a nice little quick match for her to get a win to really start building herself up. But it's nice to see another ref- uh, refreshing face 
back in the women's division, uh, especially just since for the longest time they were struggling with talent. But now we got a returning Chris, who I think will be a great, uh, uh, just overall great addition. Not even addition, just like a factor of the women's division. Okay. I don't know if you heard this because you really pay attention to commentary. Hey, how did you like that JR struggle for a minute and a half to say uh, Chris Statlander had lost weight and looked like she was in better shape? Yeah. Oh no, she was. He was. He was trying to dodge all. Oh my god. Yes, it was so uncomfortable though. I was like, I know, I know, I know. I like what he could have just said is that like, uh, like, like rehab. Obviously, she's done great with rehab, and she's just she looks like a beast right now. Oh, oh, he could he could have said that. Man, she she looks like she's in. Uh, it looks like the rehab has caused her to get in better shape. It looks like maybe she's changed the way she eats. You could say a whole bunch of different stuff without actually talking about alluding to her physical size without saying it. It's just it's just funny because he's used to just saying it. He's been just saying it for like sixty years of his life. <laughs> it's like now I can't. You know, he's at this now point. Now he has to tiptoe his way. He, he has to think. It's not something you think about because you know me on my show. I'm gonna say, hey, she put in the work. She lost weight. She looks like a million bucks. I can say that. You know, and you know, I'm not probably not gonna get canceled. But you know, if Jim Ross would have said. Yeah, she looks less fat or something like that. Oh my God, people would have went off the rails. So I understand. I'm sure, I'm sure people would have been mad if he went like full off on that. But yeah. again, I feel like it's like if anyone like because, like I said, cancel culture itself is just not even going down that road. It's just like just an, just an idea, but really the, more so. But the big thing is what what Jr. showed to me that was important is he showed a willingness to try. Yeah, he was exactly. no, he was trying to think before he spoke. He was trying to put thought into the words that he said. And it's just like, no, he's not going to get it every time. Next time, it'll be a lot easier for him. He'll know exactly what to say. But the fact that he did his best to try to think before he speaks should be commended. Exactly. And honestly, at the end of the day, like I can never see anyone trying to cancel jr and if they did try to Dude, do such they, thing, they, it, i mean it'd be absurd he's actually uncancelable because they've tried yeah, to cancel him several times and he's like he'll he'll just say hey wrestling's a show again i mean chill out and then that'll be it <laughs> yeah and it's just not gonna happen really but we then excuse me we had a quick interview with T team taz that would lead into the next segment basically taz was saying how Christian Cage hasn't responded to him at all. Uh, Absolute Ricky Starks was mad uh, that they had to wait for a reply and should they just wanted to do something. Taz told Ricky to chill out. They're going to lock Christian Cage down tonight. But he told Starks and Brian Cage, y'all are too fired up. You got to stay back for tonight. And they were both upset, but this would lead into the next segment, which was Tony Schiavone interviewing Christian Cage. Uh, basically talking about how he's still going to outwork everyone. But then Taz is like, bro, couldn't even give me a call. I just need an answer. Are you in or are you out of Team Taz? And Christian Cage just goes, look, man, right now your team is a dumpster fire. I didn't come to AEW to help fix your your little marital problems happening. I came to win titles, so my answer is no. And Taz is like, you just fucked up. And then Powerhouse Hobbs all of a sudden walks down to get up to Christian Cage 
Uh, Cage then tried to hit the kill switch, but then Hook got a distraction, and then Cage got beat up by uh, Will Hobbs, and the shot of just powerhouse Hobbs just staring over top of uh, Christian I thought was a really great shot, just amplified that this man is a beast. Uh, biggest thing from this that I noticed is Taz is like, hey, I want you to join my group. Dude, I didn't like you anyway. Just a very, you know, trigger switch of an attitude change. He went from, hey, join our group, help me fix it, to fuck you for not joining my group. It was really hilarious and really like, I, I, I uh, you know, in my shoot job, I work with people uh, from that area. And that was very accurate to my experience. They'll be your best friend, and then they'll snap. (laughs) Yeah, I can absolutely see that. But we then had the main event, the TNT Championship, held in a Falls Count Anywhere match between champion Darby Allin and Big Money Matt. Darby, like, listen, man, like, I got, like, I keep saying it every week. I mean, like, I genuinely mean this, dude. Darby's my favorite person on the roster. He he really is. This man got fucking beat up in this match. Like I think at one point he got a chair just thrown into his chest, um, and then like he just like like garbage can got hit uh, on Darby Allen by Butcher. Like they just beat each other up. Um, we of course had um, the hit that group uh, Money Matt's uh, uh, group get uh, beat up by Dark Order, and Sting came out as well. Uh, ended up trying to give uh, Darby the bat. It ended up getting kicked away from him. But these two, man, beat the hell out of each other. The coffin drop onto the table uh, off of the uh, lighting rig was crazy dope. Uh, Darby has established himself as one of the key guys in AEW. And I think he, guys like him and Brody Lee, really, him, Brody Lee, and Cody, like, made that TNT championship so important because like, and that title has to me just as much as importance as the world title. And they've done so well of keeping their titles balanced. Um, well with, and I, I'm sure people would argue with the women's title, but it's, just, I think it's just because people don't really have a, much to say about Hikaru Shida, but I think things are going to change with that title. I think the next change with that title will really amplify it too. Cause she just had it for a very long time. But other than that, man, like even if you want to argue that their other titles, man are just so well balanced. They all feel mega important. And I'm just so over the moon, happy of how Darby Allen has gotten himself to be just this mega star in AEW. Cause when he first had his match with Cody at, uh, Fighter Fest, right there. I was like, this dude's gonna be one of the biggest stars in AEW. It's like this guy moves in a way that you don't see. He like puts himself through so much punishment and his bumps and like the spots that he does. And like I said, he took Cody to the limit. So I'm, I'm so glad for Darby Allen and Matt Hardy too, dude. Like even up until this point, with how long he's been in wrestling, dude, still putting on incredible matches at this point in his career. Uh, absolutely um i completely agree what they've done with darby is amazing matt hardy i mean he's always gonna you know come to work in a plunder match and in essence this is what that was and they did a good job of mixing all of the stories along with this you know the dark order were in the main event matt hardy's group was in the main event sting was there scorpio sky and ethan page were featured in the main event 
Lane's Archer was featured in the main event, which it looks like it's going to go kind of to Archer and Darby Allen working together. It seems like that's where they're heading. They might fight first, but it looks like they might be looking at those two work, working together. It just seems like there's so many threads that pulled in this one match, and it was all led by Darby being the guy. And it's just, Gar Darby, when you talked about him, and you're talking about the top draws in the company, he was always in that second tier. I think it's time to officially to bump him up to the first tier. I think yeah. he's on that level with the Moxes and the Chris Jerichos and the Kenny Omegas as far as if you look at the ratings numbers, when he's on screen, people are watching. You know, they don't leave when Darby's on screen. So you have to take that into account. I was never that big of a Darby fan, but, uh, you know, he's growing on me. You know, effort is big with me. You know, showmanship is big with me. And that dude, e effort is 100 every time. Showmanship's 100 every time. It's just you get Darby. When you get Darby, you get him at 100%. It doesn't matter who he's wrestling. So a shout out to him. Darby's coming to your state, and you got to miss it. He's coming to visit you, sir, and you got to miss it. That sucks. But, uh, yeah, uh, shout out to uh, – I'm, ve I'm very happy with Darby. Shout out to how he has progressed and to all the fans out there that may be listening to the show for the first time or whatever. Man, thank you for tuning in uh, to AEW every week and showing general interest in the product. Absolutely, man. Like just seeing the numbers AEW Dynamite did this week, seeing how strong the opening and closing and a majority of the rest of the card for the show was, dude. Like I've I've I, I will say genuinely, like, I have not had this much fun watching wrestling, I think, since AEW got uh underway. I've just had so much fun just watching this new company make moves. And not every single one of them are winners. Of course not. That's just not gonna be the case. But at the same time, though, it's always intriguing. I'm always interested to see these new faces that I may not have seen before. And I'm just so intrigued in the way they present themselves and the way they interact with fans. It's like I have so much fun watching Dynamite every single week. Whereas, like, for a while in wrestling, like I said, like, there was points where I, stopped, I, I decided I might stop watching. But I always kept coming back for something. And with... A while ago, it was NXT. A while ago, it was the advent of the network, so I could watch a bunch of old-school wrestling. A while ago, it was because I got to discover outside wrestling that wasn't WWE, like Ring of Honor, New Japan, uh, PWG, all these kind of companies. And then um, this one was all out in AEW, man. I mean, all, all yeah, all in in AEW, man. They just like reinvigorated my love back to when I first started watching again. Yeah, um, and I feel the same way. I honestly, I work Wednesday nights, and I wish I had them offed. I mean, it, it's just like, yeah, I really do, just because, uh, like, this week I just got to take it in for the first time in a long time without having to watch it again, and it was just such an exciting show, and it's like, I forgot I was at work quite a bit because it was such an exciting show, and I... Yeah, I, I was like, I messaged, I was like, I'm so excited to talk about AEW uh, Dynamite this week. I had to skip a week, but then they come back, and this is the show I get to talk about, and the 1.2 million viewers, this was, this was everything. This was, this was great. Yeah, and that was this episode of AEW Dynamite, though. Um, we're going to get into the preview for next week's Dynamite uh, real quick, and then we have one last thing we want to talk about, um, but looking at next week's Dynamite, 
We're going to get another TNT Championship defense from Darby Allen as he defends the title against Jungle Boy, who has already proven himself to be one of the hottest upstarts in AEW. I think that match will be incredibly strong. We're going to get a sit-down interview with the Pinnacle. We're going to have Christian Cage get his match against Powerhouse Hobbs after the attack that happened this week. And then Hikaru Shida will be taking on Tay Conti, who has been consistently moving up the ranks with the women's divisions and proving herself yeah, like and, crazy. And it's, I didn't put it on here. It's for the AEW women's title. It is for the women's title, too, yes. Yeah, Tay Conti is the number one contender against Hikaru Shida. I'm looking forward to that match. They've been tagging up recently. And guess what? Shocker. They tagged up. One matches without beating up each other. It's crazy. And without any kind of miscommunications or grr, they acted like professionals when wrestling, and now they're going to have a match with each other. Yeah, man, wins and losses matter, right? The Dude, it's just so crazy to me because I've been taught one way. If you're about to wrestle each other and then you're tagged together, you're going to have miscommunication and you got to end up being fighting each other. Unless your name is John Cena and Randy Orton, you get booked on Raw to face the entire Raw roster in a in a handicap match. Yes. In which case, you'll just do well no matter what. Yes, but it's just it, it it was crazy how different this is. And if you're used to it a certain way, this could come off as like this that's not right. Shouldn't they be building up anger? Why do you really need to build up anger when the world title's on the line? Exactly. What's more of a motivation than the title? Yeah. You know, you, I mean, it's good to have different motivations at times. Like if Britt and Thunder ever wrestle each other with the titles on the line or whatever. Okay, yeah, you're going to have that I hate you plus I want your title. But regular title defense, the title is what's important. Exactly. Yeah, so. Uh, looking, But looking at everything else on the show, though, like, like I said, there's, you got a lot to look forward to. Darby's going to be in that main event. I think Christian and Cage and Powerhouse Hobbs starts off the show, but Darby's going to be in that main event because he is a proven draw in the main event. The pinnacle sit-down interview, I am really looking forward to what MJF uh, shredding everybody again. He's just exactly. so good at it. And then you'll have Tony there to kind of guide it and get everybody talking. And I love that Wardlow really doesn't talk. He just needs people in the face and, you know, war comes. Exactly. You really don't need that man to talk. But the last thing we're going to talk about today on this episode of All Things Elite before we close out the show is honestly related to the biggest news of the weekend for pro wrestling in general, which is relating to uh, the recent releases that took place uh, on the 15th of April uh, where WWE released 10 wrestlers uh, on Thursday. Those wrestlers included Wesley Blake, Mojo Rawley, Bo Dallas, Kalisto, Tucker, Chelsea Green, Mickey James, Billy Kane, Peyton Royce, the Iconics, and Samoa Joe. So obviously, we want to say straight up, like just first off, um, we hope that everybody in this uh, group of releases ends up finding work as soon as possible because, of course, WWE did this last year, like right at the start of the pandemic, and it was awful, especially for people like Drake Maverick, who went on Twitter and just was bawling his eyes out over the news. And like a lot of those people, like other companies weren't putting on shows at that time. So it was going to be really hard for them to even have a chance to find work at that time. So it's a little different now because companies are putting on shows. Um, they have their 90 day clauses again, of course, because it's bullshit. But 
we're hoping that everybody in this list does find work as soon as possible because there's so much talent in these names and we truly don't want to see any of them go to waste. The tie-in I think we're going to do with this just real quick is we're just going to do a little fantasy booking. We don't want to make light of the situation too much, obviously, because these are like these, these people don't have jobs right now. But we want to just look at these names and see the names that we think would be uh, fitting to come to AEW because I think now – at least in terms of uh, places that you might be interested in going, AW is the most intriguing, I think, for a lot of people just because of how they've proven themselves over these last couple of years. Okay. Um, when I look at the list on the men's side, uh, okay, so advice to Mojo Raleigh: Find Dustin Rhodes or Matt Seidel or someone. Come up with a new character. Come up with a new smooth set, you know, come up with this whole new thing, then debut at one of the companies and then work your way up and try to establish yourself. That's what I would do. I would try to move Mojo Raleigh as far, that name and everything associated with it as far in the past as possible. And if you think you can work in this business, prove it. But if you go on uh impact and you're some weird variation of Mary Joe Raleigh and you're basically playing the same character, just know that character had limits. Like from the beginning, when they named him Mojo Raleigh and he came out and I don't get hype, I stayed hype. I was like, this dude's a mid Carter at best. So you you need to present yourself like you want yourself to be presented going forward so like i said go go find dustin or uh go up to one of the wrestling schools and just build you a new gimmick and go with that um kalisto you're you're built for impact roh uh shout out to that uh samoa joe um aw should throw as much money as he wants against them i think for them Based on their fan base, he's an impact player. He's a big-time player. He's a top guy immediately. If I was Samoa Joe, what I want, I want him to go around for a year, giving him me pretty much every fantasy match I have. I'm talking about Okada, Ishii, Tanahashi. Matches that probably happened in some form or another at some point that I didn't know about, but I want to see him now. Uh, go to ROH and fight for the world title, go on Impact, you know, uh, go on Impact, and then eventually, in about a year or so, show up in AEW and pretty much have your last run with that company. That's what I, that's my fantasy booking for him. Um, who else was on the guys? Uh, you had Tucker and Bo Dallas and Wesley Blake. Tucker, uh, I'm going to just say, you, you're going to have to tighten up. You're going to have to change your physique. Your physique reached Jag to me. That's just my whole point. Bo Dallas, I don't think, wants to be in the wrestling business anymore. Uh, I think his uh, his whole thing is that he's going to work in real estate and live on his farm. But I would love to see him at spring break playing his Bo Dallas character and doing the WrestleMania weekends every weekend. I just think there's a place for because there's a lot more irony wrestling now and i think he fits right in with that world 
And I'm missing who's the last guy? Wesley Blake. Wesley Blake. Steve Cutler's released too. So literally Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler can show up in Impact. If you if you're catching it, the only real person that I think has a future with AEW right now. I'm not talking about in their current form is Samoa Samoa Joe. Everybody else, I think there's plenty of places for them to work. Impact's tag team division is weak, weak at best. So Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler definitely already established tag team and tag team name. They could go there. Uh, Tucker, uh, yeah, he kind of got screwed with the whole Otis thing. Like I said, he has to change his physique or go under a mask in a bodysuit. He has to do something to change because the guy that I see smells jag. Even when he was in uh, Heavy Machinery, I was like, good Lord, I wouldn't remember him if I you know, walked down the street and saw him in the store. I just wouldn't remember him. So that's just my personal opinion on Toker. You know, other people might see him as a star. I don't. Uh, women's side, Mickey James, literally, uh, you can put her in there. Uh, any, any, she can fit anywhere. She still works really well. If you want to, uh, whoever the next champion after Sheeta is, if you want them to get a big name scalp, you can have Mickey James comes in for, for uh, four to six weeks, beat some people in dark and elevation, moved up the rankings real quick. Just, you know, basically to lose and make that other person look good. Uh, she could be the NWA's traveling champion. You know, uh, her husband's already the NWA, the men's champion. Mickey James is the women's champion. It, it seems like a perfect fit for her. Um, but, yeah, she fits wherever she wants. Uh, TNA, uh, ROH has been looking at their women's division. She fits there. She's a TNA Hall of Famer. She fits there. Mickey James is kind of like the Samoa Joe of the women. She literally fits everywhere. I know she's a little older, but again, Samoa Joe's older than her, and everybody's talking about him signing, so I don't know what the double standard is. She hasn't gotten slower. Every time I've seen her work, she's looked like Mickey, so, uh, and she has a definite passion for the business. The Iconics, no to Billy Kay, yes to Cassie. The only, or uh, Peyton Royce, which is going by Cassie Lee now. Only reason I say that is because all I've heard over the last six months is how amazing she is. Like she's every bit as good as Sasha. She just hasn't been given a chance. There is a spot. There is a company that has been giving women chances to show what they have for a long time. Cassie, if you're not afraid to work dark in a dark elevation, you could show people what you got. You could show people just how good you are. Uh, Billy Kay, very good comedic character. I truly, I might be the uh, the minority on this, but because her comedic chops, I think she fits everywhere. I wouldn't necessarily have her wrestling every week, but she she is a great sidekick. She could be she'd be a very funny. Um, Authority figure, if you wanted to do something like that. I definitely, the day that her 90 days up, I would have her on dark, dark elevation, giving her resume to Tony Khan. That would be hilarious. And then the last one is Chelsea Green. Chelsea Green, she's a star. I, I don't know why WWE released her. They it, it, didn't do anything with her, it, I feel it, like. It baffles me. And I know this is not supposed to be. 
she's hot as hell. You know, I mean, if anything, you could have used her as a valet because she's really, really attractive. She's in shape. She can work. She's led the top division of the company. I swear she would already been with AEW because she was at all in. She literally was signed to WWE when she worked all in and then, you know, but hadn't, you know, debuted or her contract hadn't kicked in yet. But yeah, she was going to WWE. So obviously AEW would have wanted her. Uh, I think she definitely has a role in the company. Uh, I, yeah, I, I honestly think this is like the biggest swing and miss of them all. Because I think Samoa Joe was booked well. Was he world champion? No. I don't necessarily think you have to be world champion to be booked well. Uh, so that's where I'm going to argue. Mickey James, six-time WWE champion. They got what they got out of her. Chelsea Green, complete swing and miss. Dumb. It's like it, it's like if you had like a young Bryce Harper and you traded him. I mean, I, she has star written all over. I'm not saying she's like a you know like five star wrestler, but dude, she does everything well. So I I just don't get that. She has a spot on the AD, AEW roster easily. Uh, Impact probably makes more sense because uh, R- R- Ryder is there or Cardona is there. But does it really matter in this day and age, really? They were working at different companies then, so they yeah, could sure. now. So it's just like there's a lot of spots on Dark and Dark Elevation. And there is a definite, you know, as the women build up, there could be room for a women's tag team title. Maybe the Iconics, but... As much as their best friends, uh, Peyton and Billy, if I was Peyton and I wanted to be taken seriously as a singles wrestler and want to be looked at the best women's wrestlers in the world, I would separate myself from Billy as far as I can. And I can understand that. I think just the only issue with, that I have is just the fact that they work that they 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 do work so well with each other. Um, I could definitely see Billy Kay as like. Wherever Peyton goes, she's hyping her up. I could see that if that's the case. But again, like I feel like they bounce off each other so well that I think at s- most companies, I think will view her view them as a package deal just because of how well they work oh, together. And, and I don't amazing. think that means they can't work in in singles competition and and do such things like that. Like it's like what you said, but I don't know. I I feel like at this point, I think they will be viewed as that. Oh no, they're amazing. They're amazing together. I love the Iconics. I love their character work. I love all of that. But from what I understand, like from the interviews and stuff, it seems like she wants to be taken seriously as one of the best women's wrestlers in the world. She will not do that as long as she's attached to Billy Kay. When they are in the when they're in the group together, people are gonna think, ha ha, that's a comedy act. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that, definitely. Yeah. But all in all, all, the the main point we should definitely make too, because this is just uh, us fantasy deciding on where these guys and girls will go. Um, at the end of the day, these releases suck, and it sucks to see these people that are clearly very talented get misused, get hired just for the sake of not going anywhere else, and then just sitting around and catering and stuff like that. It's not great. Um, I hope y'all made as much money as you possibly could from that billion dollar corporation. Uh, Samoa Joe uh, said it himself when CM Punk uh, tweeted at him. It's like, they fucked up when they decided to pay me. So, 
they know like hopefully y'all made as much money as you possibly could from them. Now wherever you guys want to go with your careers, whether you're done with wrestling, whether you want to be a star, whether you want to be a champion, um, you have many options now. Um, AEW is just a possible one that you guys can go to. Thankfully, other companies are putting on shows at this point in time in, uh, in the pandemic, so you're going to have a little bit more of an easy time than people last year did finding work. But we hope you find work as quickly as possible. Um, and yeah, these these releases were just a fucking kick in the gut. Yeah, uh, definitely. And, you know, they get paid the three months. They're in a more advantageous situation because at the end of the three months, more than likely... Everybody that wants the wants the uh, vaccine will have it. So we'll probably be getting back to. I'm already seeing more wrestling shows popping up, and I'm some seeing some that are not socially distancing at all. So it all looks like it, the world's already opening back up. So in July fifteenth, uh, I think that's the day. Uh, yeah, you, I think they'll have a chance to work now if they're smart, I don't know who, what promoter will put it on, whether it be GCW or, uh, and they just do a super show of the recently released wrestlers, <laughs> you know, you know, they have all the WWE people on there and the ones from last year and, you know, have signings and all that stuff so they can introduce who, what their new characters are or whatever they're going to do. I think that would be, I think it would draw and I think it would be really smart. Yeah. Wherever summer's do and do it wherever SummerSlam weekend is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But regardless, yeah, I, it's a it's a weird way to end the show. But this news was so massive that we we couldn't not mention it um, on this show. But that'll wrap it up, I think, for this episode of All Things Elite. Um, of course, remember about the jacket uh, jacket competition and the uh, the giveaway for Cody's new jacket. So Floyd, again, remind people how you enter into this contest. All right. So in the morning, uh, April nineteenth. The post will go up. It'll have a picture of the jacket in there. All you would have to do is like, retweet, and then comment. The comment can pretty say I want the jacket or whatever, but the comment is your entry. That is how I know you're entered. That is how a very easily. The comments are an easier way for me to keep track of each name. It is, you know, when you click on like and try to get all the names, sometimes they might not give them all to you. The comments, I can go look at all my comments and take the names from there. I sleep during the day, so me tracking down the names will just be me taking down a big list of them at each evening. So that being said, make sure you're commenting on it. Share it with your friends. Even if you they don't want the jacket, get them to like, retweet, and comment so you can get another chance at winning the jacket. Exactly. Yeah. But again... That'll be this episode of All Things Elite. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to leave a rating and a review and keep downloading the show on Google or Apple Podcasts. And again, if you listen to us on any other podcasting platform, Spotify, Anchor, whatever it is, uh, be sure to share us around with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you may wish. 
Um, you can also, if you guys enjoy the show so much, you can uh, leave a donation through Red Circle. That would be massively generous of you. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex is the podcasting network that helps make this show possible and has a bunch of other incredible shows that you should check out. I am at SZumer4 on Twitter. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And now I will let my good buddy Floyd take us home for tonight. After, after the last week, uh, it's actually a very simple message. Make sure you hug and love your friends and family. You don't know how long they're going to be along. And even if they're going to be along around forever, they still need to know that you care about them. I just, you know, as especially takes a funeral to remind you how short life is. So just make sure you're taking care of everybody, hugging them, loving them. If you got a grudge and you can find it in your heart to drop it, don't wait 10 years. Go ahead and do it now because that's 10 years you get with someone that you love. So just remember that. And whether you're at home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.